I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. And today, we have a tale of two very, very different phones. Yeah, we're looking at two phones today, um, OnePlus Nord and the ROG Phone 3, which came out within like a couple of days of each other. Was the <laughs> I wonder, just out of curiosity, do you think these companies have any idea of this, like the actual release dates of each other? To some degree, yeah. No, I, I, the thing is, in this industry, everyone knows everyone, right? And certainly that kind of is stronger in some circles than others. But right. everyone knows everyone. And I feel like everyone has a pretty good idea, especially when you're working with someone like Qualcomm, right? Like they know that this is when they're announcing the new chip and everyone kind of is on the same page as far as when things can be on sort of release. So there might be someone who's like, you know, they say to, to, to some company, right? Like all of these companies talk to say Qualcomm and like, oh, we're going to do it this day. And they might go, I wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah man. well and also it's like you think like there's so much like sort of sharing and like factories and whatnot yeah and then you look at certain companies like i will definitely give asus props for this i mean they are consistently on the the bleeding edge of like the second a new thing gets announced oh, okay here's four new laptops with it mm-hmm. the second new some new chip is out so the second new qualcomm the a65 plus whatever they're always really on top of trying to get things out instantly so i feel like it's usually a pretty safe bet that they're going to have some wacky new thing which is going to be announced the second that whatever new processor is actually hitting the market. Because ultimately as well, so I think this is particularly with the phones. With laptops, maybe it's not so much, but with phones, because they, they really reach into the consumer space, it is in everyone's best interest to not release things on the same day, right? Like, Yeah. So, you know, it wouldn't be wild to assume that some of these companies like in who are in similar brackets, you know, like... I would say OnePlus is at a higher bracket than Asus in the phones, but nevertheless, like, yeah. you know, they might just be like, oh, hey, like, we know you've got something coming. We've got something coming. We're thinking about this there, you know, like, because you don't want to be fighting for attention. Now, when it comes to like Apple yeah. and Samsung, they're just going to do whatever they want, right? Like, yeah, get out of the way. they don't care. Like, they don't care. Everyone else move. And that's happened before. I think it was OnePlus once yeah. who moved an event because it coincided with the uh, iPhone event. It was last year, I actually. Was think. it last year? Oh my god, that I feels like so. so long ago. But yeah, I think <laughs> that's right. Like, but look, that was like even OnePlus got additional good press for that too, right? Because yeah. everyone was like, like they would have looked ridiculous if they would have stuck to that date because that's kind of look. Apple makes some more phones and people care more than, you know, like, like Apple's new phone makes front page in, on some newspapers. Like the new OnePlus isn't going to do that yet. Who knows what the future may hold? But like, anyway, so going back to this, we've got the OnePlus Nord, which is not just a phone. It's a phone line. Although yes. this one's just called the Nord, which is, that's yep. confusing to me, by the way. It's like they're saying that the Nord is like the beginning of a line of products in the Nord yeah. line, but this one's called the Nord. I assume it's like this is the Nord 1, the next one will be the Nord 2, the mm. Nord 2 XL, or whatever the case is. Yeah, because I'd gotten the impression that like... So one thing, just to say right off the, off, the, off the bat, this phone is not available in America, but OnePlus no. have seemed to have hinted that there will be a product available in America in this line. So maybe yes. it's like the Nord Pro or whatever, right? Like, which would be stupid, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the Nord Plus, and maybe yeah. that is an American version of the phone. And then you're right, maybe they go for Nord 2 or something later on. But this yeah. is a quote-unquote return for OnePlus to what people know them to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing is, when you look at those first, like the OnePlus One, OnePlus Two, OnePlus Three, I mean, these are all phones that were in that four, five hundred dollar space. And what really made them special was that they had sort of very similar level of specs to a lot of flagships that were six hundred dollars plus, right? So it really kind of gave OnePlus the footing in the market. And sort of as time has gone on, as we talked about actually several times on this show, like they've really gone more and more premium with things. And there's nothing wrong with that. I would say the OnePlus 8 and specifically the OnePlus 8 Pro is one of the best phones you can buy period. Not even counting the fact that it's cheaper than something like an S20 Ultra or anything like that. But what they've sort of done as they've sort of developed that and every year sort of it ticks up by another 30 bucks or 50 bucks or $100, they've definitely left that sort of original market that they were so successful in. And I think the OnePlus Nord is very much the return to having a more mid-range phone. So this starts out at 
379 of the Queen's finest monetary implements, Mike. So I'm happy to say that I'm not going to talk about U.S. dollars like every single video and podcast. We get to talk in, in, in your native tongue. Well, I mean, well, your, your wonderful dollars can't even buy one of these things. So <laughs> Freedom dollars keep, are good everywhere. Yeah, How dare you? Except at OnePlus. You can keep that money <laughs> if you like. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, it seems like it's, it's the equivalent of this range in different currencies as well, right? So it's kind yeah. of around that high 300 mark, um, which is in, in euros as well. And then, of course, 99 euros, I yeah. believe. There is something, oh, by the way, I just looked it up. It was the OnePlus 6T in 2018 that got moved really? for an iPad event. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, I'm way off. I you thought that was off. last year. Well, we both were. I thought it was an iPhone. You thought it was last year, so we both took a loss on <laughs> that one. So I have a question for you, actually. So this is a product that people want, right? Because it is, you know, it, it's got 90 hertz OLED, 1080p, 6.4 inch screen, 5G support with the 765G Snapdragon chip. It's got good, but not incredible cameras. What has it got? The sensor from the regular OnePlus 8? Yeah, exactly. So it has the same sensor from the OnePlus 8. It has a lower quality ultra wide. The no telephoto has a macro, right? A macro and a depth sensor. Yeah. But on the flip side, it has dual selfie cameras. So it actually has a pretty solid main selfie camera. And it also has an ultra wide, which is a little bit lower quality, but it is obviously super wide if you have lots of friends to take selfies, which I'm sure everyone is taking lots of selfies with lots of friends right now, right? Uh, well, let's just let's just say selfie cameras are arguably more important than a lot of tech companies give them effort yeah. on, right? Like, I'm always persistently frustrated with the front-facing camera on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it should be better because people take pictures of themselves all the time. Um, but also this, I mean, I would say, like, this is a flagship-looking device. Like, it looks... Yeah. It looks great. Like, it doesn't look old. But the kind of the, the point that I was going to make here is, so this is a phone that is going to be very desired in all markets, but it's not in America yet for whatever reason. I find it interesting that a lot of the promotion is with American YouTubers for a phone that mm. cannot be bought in America. And I just wondered, like, as one of those American YouTubers who has the phone, do you find that as peculiar as me? Sort of. So uh, what they've done with the Nord is, I would say, nothing short of marketing genius. Yeah, they have really done a great job with the marketing of this, like, from top to bottom. Like, if you've not been following it, there's, like, they've been doing all these, like, stage pre-ordering. Yeah, You can pay a bit of money in advance and you'll get, like, some swag. And then they're doing, like, these AR launches. Like, OnePlus's marketing team has been working on all cylinders for a while, but it's been great for this one yeah and i mean you look at their instagram they went from zero to a million followers in like a month or something like i think their first handle was like one plus z light thing or something just like they've been completely making fun of this whole thing but like everyone absolutely loves them for it Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah it's a little bit weird but honestly i think it's one of those things where people want what they can't have and everyone Uh. who's into this space they know about the one plus nord now and if you can't have it you're like oh well you know that that for how much is it for three hundred and seventy? Oh, hmm, interesting. I they're they're doing a lot of things right now. That's that's a really interesting way of putting it. I hadn't thought of that. Like that there could be an element of like we know we're going to do a product, but we can kind of keep people waiting for a bit. Especially when you know I'm sure that they have launched this product in the markets that they know it's going to sell best in. Oh um, yes, you know otherwise they'd be ridiculous to do that. Well, and it's easy to forget OnePlus up until very recently was not selling phones in the U.S. like sort of directly, right? Very or sorry, good point. It was only directly. You, you couldn't get it in like carrier stores and everything. And now that they have the OnePlus 8 and whatnot, you look at the, the Nord and you go, hmm, so how much cheaper is it? And what are you really losing? Because it's not a lot. It actually comes very close to that OnePlus 8 for several hundred dollars less. I mean, who knows? Like maybe they didn't, they didn't think they would be able to get a carrier partner for this one. Yeah. Right? Because I think they have a carrier partner in the UK for the Nord. Like, you can buy it direct, but that there is... I, I think I saw that one of the carriers here is, is, is working with them from the beginning. And I mean, when you look at the Nord, so obviously, like you kind of ran through earlier, the specs are all there. 
It's got 5G, which I think is really impressive at this price point. You've got the 90 hertz OLED, which is very similar to what you get on the OnePlus 8. Now, there are some minor sort of sacrifices, like we talked about with the camera. The design isn't quite as premium. So it's actually a plastic sort of shell. And I think, I don't know exactly, I've heard the phrase like they sort of painted metal on the outside. So it does feel a little bit like metal. I don't think that's actually the technical term for it, but it's... What does that mean? So when you actually hold it, you're touching technically metal, but it's like a layer of metal on top of like a plastic chassis, right? It's not actual aluminum all the way through or okay. stainless steel, like a higher end foam. Okay. But it's fine. Like I, I could tell, like when I first picked it up, I was like, it felt a little bit sort of, I, I don't want to say cheap. It didn't feel like real metal to me, but technically there is metal there. And it's completely solid. Like I'm not worried at all about like plastic is just as good, if not better than metal in a lot of scenarios as far as building a phone. And if that means they were able to shave $20, $30 off the build cost, more power to them. I would much rather them spend that money on the OLED, on 5G, on all the other things, including, of course, their excellent, excellent software. I mean, look, we've talked about it before. OnePlus absolutely killed the game when it comes to developing a version of android which feels incredibly snappy incredibly responsive they really not only lean into the idea they have these high refresh rate displays like 90 and 120 hertz on the oneplus 8 pro but they back that up with a really really well built version of android where they do very tasteful uh, modifications and additions and they do a lot of tuning on the responsiveness and things like animations and everything in a way which if you put it side by side with the rg phone 3 which of course we'll talk about here shortly in a lot of ways the nord feels better especially when you look at the animations it might not necessarily be 144 hertz or anything but when you actually just sort of use the the sort of the gut reaction the sort of feel of as you swipe around it feels better and i think there's really something to be said for the level of software and hardware integration that oneplus have pulled off on a phone which really is not that expensive can you explain the chip to me because you said i know it has 5g but it's a snapdragon yeah. 765 now i know we're on to 800 now so what is the yes. deal with this chip so the 800 series is sort of the flagship of the qualcomm snapdragon range right they've yep. been making 800 series chips since like 2012 or something oh um, okay. the 700 series is like the one step below so there there have been 700 series chips for a little while now essentially mm. this is like in performance specifically with the 765g think about it as like a roughly two to three year old snapdragon like 800 right so like it would be somewhere like a galaxy s10 something like that so it's a little bit slower on the cpu side it's uh, a little bit actually slower than that on the gpu side but that being said if you put it up to a flagship you know two years ago, it's pretty much equivalent, right? So it's obviously, it's a smaller, cheaper chip. But one of the things that makes it kind of unique is that if you look at a Snapdragon A65, right, which is obviously the most current flagship chip that you find in the S20 and all of the other really high-end phones right now, essentially they, unlike pretty much all uh, Snapdragon processors for a long time, it actually has a separate modem. Now, very few companies do this. In fact, of course, Apple with the iPhone, they have always shipped a sort of separate modem, whereas Qualcomm have had the advantage of building it onto the same chip, which gives, yeah. them, gives them a lot of advantages in power and packaging and everything. But when it comes to the A65, Qualcomm actually separated that again. So part of that was because 5G is new. All of these manufacturers have to kind of get their heads around how you do, because it's obviously complicated to deal with like the antennas and the shielding and all that kind of stuff. So what they did was they separated it out so that most devices have a separate modem and the processor and they're just linked up. Now, that's not a problem. I mean, you still have the 5G, but it means that there's added complexity, could be added power draw. I don't know about that. But also it just means that there's like more stuff that you have to fit in the phone, more stuff that you need to cool. Now with the 765G, this is back to the old school way of doing things where the 5G modem is integrated into the same chip, which means that it's able to be not only significantly cheaper, you're not buying two individual components, which are, I'm sure, $100 or how much ever they charge for it. But it also means it can be a little bit more power efficient and it means it can fit into a smaller form factor. So it's it's a good chip. It's fine. And especially with the way that sort of OnePlus has tuned it you're not going to notice the difference unless you get into like sort of more graphically intense games you'll notice the graphics aren't quite there but beyond that you would not really be able to tell the difference okay so but it has 5g though which is good yes and for most use cases people are not going to notice it i mean when really you're going to feel like your phone is faster if you've not had 90 hertz before absolutely too, right yeah okay yeah yeah so the thing is, like, I mean, it's not that far off, right? It really mm. isn't. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, it's a two-year-old performance. But, like, 
the difference isn't really that real unless you're benchmarking and like doing gaming and like even then like you can still game on this thing no problem and a lot of games will come close to 90 but it's like you're obviously spending less and one of the ways that they were able to come down from like the 700 plus price point is by spending significantly less on the chip. But this sort of, that was one of the things that they had talked about. I've been thinking about all of this recently. Like, obviously, we've been, like, talking more and more about ARM and stuff like that too, right? Especially when it comes to putting these things in Macs. No device is really pushing these chips. Like, iPhones Mm. don't push them. Android phones don't push them. Like, what you can get Geekbench score-wise out of all of these chips is way more than any apps actually push them. I, yeah, I do think games actually come pretty close. I think a lot of games, especially on the mobile side, have gotten so much more graphically intense. I think that actually is a place where you can sort of stress test a lot of phones and a lot of stuff which will feel completely fine in sort of like normal day-to-day use. You load up a copy of a, a game, even like Fortnite, right, which will very quickly tax it and get it to the point where it's just like, eh, Low settings, uh, resolution. Uh. Like I think that's probably the closest. But realistically, I think most people don't care about that max gaming yeah. performance. I think most people, if you're playing a game on your phone, you just don't want it to kill your battery fast. At least that's the way I treat it. Yeah, that, that's what I think. I, th- I think the overlap of people who are really heavily mobile gaming and fastest chips is not very much. Yeah, because games like games like Fortnite or whatever are being played most, I would assume, on mobile devices by kids who do not have phones, most likely, with the 800 series chips in them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's kind of the, my kind of my thought process of like, I, I would assume that most people that have the fastest chips in their phones very infrequently are pushing them to the limits that they can put out. Now, this isn't the case, like, universally, but it would be my expectation. So I actually had a, an interesting little statistic I heard um, sort of when I was doing some research for the ROG phone for the, for the launch of the third one. So if you look at the size of the mobile gaming market, because I think it's, it's – for me, you look at companies like Razer and, of course, mm-hmm. ROG, traditionally these sort of PC gaming companies, and they both have smartphones, right? And obviously, especially on the ROG side, they've really been pushing it over the last couple of generations. But you look at where the money is, right? These things are incredibly popular and not with everyone, right? Certain markets, specifically in Asia, it's very, very popular to have sort of gaming smartphones. But when you look at the revenue... The gaming phones, okay. Absolutely. But you look at the revenue, mobile gaming is pretty much the same size as all of PC gaming combined at this point, right? Obviously, not all of that is hardcore CSGO or anything like that. Like A lot of it's sort of more free-to-play titles. In fact, I would probably guess that the vast majority of it is free to play. Yes. But that being said, people are spending a lot of time gaming on their devices. I mean, there are esports leagues, right? Like I watched some Clash Royale. Like they, they have a full esports league. And of course, everyone's playing on phone. Like that's a phone native title, right? So it's like, I think here in the West, it's a little bit less common. Mm. I think for you and I, we're probably going to prefer to carry a phone, which is sleeker and slimmer, and we're not going to spend as much time. But in a lot of places, the phone is your primary device, right? You're not going to jump on your console. You're not going to jump on your PC. You're going to play everything on your phone, and that's sort of where you live your life. And the ability to have something which is cooler, which is different, and literally has more performance, and you know, again, we'll talk about our G phone in a minute, but like, there's a lot about that phone, which if that is your your primary device it gives you a lot of sort of additional features and benefits and sort of it gives you better performance and i think that that's something that a lot of people care about even though it might not be super widespread everywhere yet that's i think where the market is headed let's hop over to talking about the rog phone like now because that's a good time maybe we can round out comparing them again in a bit because that's really interesting right because let me read. I'll read the spec list for this. So the <laughs> okay. ROG phone, this is the third one of them. Uh, Asus, ROG means Republic of Gamers. It's their gamer line. It's Asus's gamer line, which uh, in the PC side, like Asus is a leader in gaming yeah. stuff, right? Like Especially from, laptops. From not just laptops, but also the components. Right, they, they make really good motherboards and stuff like that, right? I think yep. I have an Asus motherboard in my gaming PC. I think so, yeah. Um, and... They have, over the last couple of years, they've been producing their own phone, um, which seems to have been doing moderately well for them. Otherwise, I guess they wouldn't have got up to the third version of it. And mm-hmm. they've gotten a kind of reputation of being like an, just spec beasts. Like every spec you can put in these things, they put in them. So the 
uh, ROG Phone 3 has the 865 plus Snapdragon processor. We spoke about this last time. This is like the top, top, tippy top right now. Yep. 16 gigabytes of RAM, 512 gigabytes of storage, a 6,000 milliamp hour battery, a 144 hertz display, and three USB-C ports. <laughs> if I told you that spec list, you would think I was telling you it was a laptop. <laughs> <laughs> that this thing has more USB C ports than my current laptop. It's and I have goofy, a MacBook man. Pro. <laughs> right? It's it's so ridiculous. It is unbelievable so, what they are putting in these things. I mean, to to walk it back maybe a tiny touch. The USB ports, you're not going to plug three things in. So essentially the way it works is on the bottom, there's a just a standard USB-C port like you'd expect. But on the side, there's a pair of USB-C ports side by side. And that's used for a lot of their accessories. So for example, it comes with a phone. Yeah, they include the fan in the box, right? You have like a fan, exactly. which is also a kickstand. So it can bring, it will cool your phone down so you can game harder for longer. Exactly. And you have a pass through USB-C. So you can basically mm-hmm. hold it in landscape mode while still charging. You also have a headphone jack, which is actually one thing that is now missing on the ROG phone. They pulled yeah. the headphone jack out and they moved it to the fan, which to be fair is included in the box. And if you're gaming, you probably should be using it. I actually think that that's pretty fair, you know. So like I was watching some videos about this and people were saying like, oh, they, you know, they took the headphone jack off and that sucks because gamers want to have low latency and et cetera, et cetera. But in theory, if you're caring about the gaming performance at its very top, you would be using it with the fan attachment and the fan attachment has a headphone jack on it. So that seems fine to me. And it is. And I think at this point, a lot of people have probably switched over to Bluetooth. I know, especially in the last like year or so. I mean, everyone's everyone's using Bluetooth headphones now. Come on. Exactly, right? Because there's so many great sort of devices, right? So something we didn't talk about on the OnePlus side, uh, I've been using the OnePlus Buds for mm-hmm. the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look at those things, they're $80, right? Which is unbelievable, price-wise. Yeah, I mean, they're not the greatest headphones in the universe, not. right? I mean, they're very much like AirPod sort of clones, except they have sort of a touch panel on the back, so it's kind of a little bit sort of flattened off. But that being said, they pair really quickly. They're sort of really snappy to jump between devices. And if you have a OnePlus device, you can do things like customizing things a lot further with like what the taps are, something that I actually feel like they should just bring out in an app. But regardless, mm-hmm. they're great, right? And they have tons of battery life, and they charge quickly, and you get like, I think it's something along the lines of uh, like eight hours. I probably should have checked that. But it's it's you get a lot of battery life out of the buds individually, and then the case will be able to charge them really quickly. USB-C, they look nice. Uh, there, there's a lot going for that. And you look at a device like that, which is so cheap and so easy to find, along with the Galaxy Buds Plus, which is what I use regularly. You look at AirPods. Like Bluetooth headphones have come so far that I feel like it's tough to be that upset about the lack of a headphone jack on a gaming phone, especially when it comes with a very important accessory, which includes it right in the box. Yeah, I would expect that like anybody that is buying a phone which is approaching, if not exceeding the $1,000 mark, is probably using some kind of Bluetooth headphone. Right, yeah, like of course yeah. there is still a market for people using uh, wired headphones. You know, does the Nord have a headphone jack? It does not. No. Mm, you see, I mean, I know that their buds are eighty, but I feel like it would have still made. I would have seen some sense in having the headphone jack on the Nord because it's like potentially yeah. there's more budget conscious in that price range. But those, you know, the fact that they have created their own earbuds and the colors match, and they're half the price of the market leader. That seems pretty fair to me as like yeah. a, as a as a market to push forward to, but the the ROG Phone three. So we're talking about specs and gaming, it's really interesting because <laughs> the way I've been thinking about this phone myself is that like from a marketing angle, for from my point of view, they should keep I think putting the emphasis on we have all the specs. And we have them better than anybody else, which like yeah. this time, like they don't have wireless charging, which isn't the worst thing. But like it, for the ROG phone, it seems funny that there's a spec that it doesn't have. 
<laughs> right? Well, it's not just that. It's not water resistant. So unlike previous mm. ROG phones, so the fan attachment that they have sort of shipped, that's been a thing. It's like that, not something new. That's been a thing since I, I believe the actual, the very first ROG phone. But the difference was before, it would just be a very small fan that would be blowing air onto the back of the device. But that was it. It was just literally just like cooling the actual like glass surface of the back. This time around, they've actually built in a tiny, tiny little hole where it can actually directly... I mean, I can't imagine it's much airflow, but a little bit of airflow can actually go and hit the sort of heat sink hmm. directly. So because of that, and because obviously they're focused on sort of the the three USB-C ports and all the other things that they're trying to put into this phone, it doesn't have that water resistance, or at least not any sort of official IP rating, right. and it doesn't have the wireless charging. I'll actually say on the wireless charging, though, I'm not that upset about it, because this thing has a six thousand milliamp hour batteries yes this is this is the compromise (laughs) that they've made right it's like yes you can say it doesn't have something but can you put into context like what would you see on a six thousand milliamp hour battery so i have pretty easily gotten through a day which is exactly zero surprise right so i know marquez was talking about how he pretty much immediately left his phone at one full uh, full 144 hertz actually there's an auto setting that i was playing around with for a little bit um it doesn't make a big difference i just cranked it up to 144 hertz after a little bit mm-hmm. as well um it's really easy to get through a day i know marquez was specifically able to get through barely two days i don't know if i could go quite that far but that being said, I live the multi-phone lifestyle, so I'm always kind of bouncing between like Z Flip and iPhone anyway. So it's not like a complete like apples to apples comparison. But 6,000 milliamp hours is nice for, you know, obviously trying to get through a day, day and a half, two days of, of sort of battery life. But really, that's not what it's about. It's about gaming. Because when you're gaming, you know that that sort of drains your battery in a yeah. really serious way. And I think that's what sort of separates a gaming phone from a more standard phone. First of all, even if you're not using the fan attachment, the ROG phone has excellent cooling, right? They're always talking about how they're trying to add more layers to the vapor chamber or whatever the case is. But there's a lot going on inside that phone to keep it cool. And that's important because if you run something like Geekbench, Geekbench is a great benchmark to tell you sort of the bursty, like sort of optimal performance of a device. What it doesn't do a good job of telling you is how that device will run, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes plus of heavy usage into sort of its life, right? Because generally speaking, as a phone gets hotter and hotter, it starts to throttle and you lose performance. The ROG phone, especially when you're gaming, right, is meant to not do that. And sort of running through some of my benchmarks, I was really impressed, even without the fan, mind you. The fan actually doesn't make a huge difference because it doesn't really throttle that much to begin with, besides obviously it gets warm and the fan can kind of help sort of keep your temperature cool. But as far as the actual performance of the device, it stays really consistent. And so I think that's one of those areas that when you talk about a gaming phone, you really care about it staying sort of at that 144 hertz or whatever the case is for long periods of time. And to back that up, you need a big battery, right? Sure, you can plug it in really easily and sort of mm. turn it into your full gaming device. But realistically, if you're buying a gaming phone, you want to be able to game for a long time. I know when ROG, when I had my pre-briefing with them, they were quoting some crazy like sort of battery life numbers of like six, seven, eight hours plus in actual real games, which is... Uh, impressive i think it uh would be a good way to describe that when a lot of other phones will last like three hours before the battery is knocked out when you're playing something really graphically demanding i think what i like about that battery statistic is that it makes your phone a gaming device without removing it being a phone for you yeah right yeah like it's your device right like people's smartphones they that's like the primary device like you need that in your life to function in modern society like if you like to game and it destroys your battery after two hours and you don't have a phone anymore you don't really have a gaming phone you have Mm -hmm. a gaming device or a phone you got to choose what you want it to be that day I love that. With a 6,000 milliamp hour battery, you literally do have a phone that can game. But yeah, I really enjoyed those statistics that you gave about the market size because like, I've always thought like, is this a thing like mobile gaming? But I think that is a, <laughs> that you, I think you're right. Like that maybe it is a, uh, something that happens differently in the West and in the East of the world, like where there yeah. is a different kind of market for smartphone gaming. Um, yeah. And if that market does exist like it seems to, it makes sense. And I guess Asus will bring it to other markets in case people are interested. But it's yeah. not their primary driver for sales of a product like this. 
I mean, I will say in the United States, Asus sell very few phones, right? It's not something that you see. Yeah. I mean, you just don't see them very often, you know? You mean like it's not like they don't exist. You'll see them very occasionally, but it's not something which is sort of very popular. Whereas, you know, when you're in somewhere like Taiwan, obviously their home sort of market, they're very common. I know in sort of like Latin America, there's a lot of sort of Asus phones that are sold. So it's very different across the world as far as kind of like where they focused and sort of they make a, a different kind of phone than a lot of other companies. But when you look at the ROG Phone 3, it is so ridiculously overkill. It's hard not to like it, right? I mean, 16 gigs of RAM. I like how like we're just like, oh, yeah, unbelievable. 16 gigs of RAM. I mean, that's twice as much RAM as the MacBook I'm recording on right now, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to just get sort of caught up in the ridiculous specs. But this thing is an absolute monster. And we haven't even talked about the display. Not 60, not 90, not 120, 144 hertz? Are you kidding me? It's really incredible. It's really, like, I don't know how they are able to do, like, this is the thing about, about Asus, right? I really honestly wished that they would make a phone that wasn't a gaming phone well they do they do the zen phone no but like with these kinds of specs ah um well no the zen phone actually isn't wildly off right i mean so i don't actually know if there's a zen phone with the like most recent like a65 and everything i actually Mm -hmm. don't believe the plus is propagated to anything besides the rog phone in their line but the the zen phone actually does have a lot of the same benefits and sort of a little bit more of a modest looking device it's not quite so gamery it doesn't have everything else this is what i mean like they they're they're missing something i think because but I can't put my my finger on it. But like the statistics, like the, the 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 specs that they're able to pull out should I think get them more attention mm-hmm. than they're able to get. It's like it's, there's like something yes. that's not aligning for me. Well, the thing is, and I'll say this about the ROG phone, and I'll say this about most other ASUS phones. They're usually not class leading in all aspects, right? So Mm. we can talk all about how great the ROG phone is. And obviously there's a lot going for it. And they've even done stuff like improve the software. So when you first start up the phone, you can choose the ROG gamer looking interface, the full skin on Android, or you can choose something which is much more kind of plain and simple and much more like stock Android. But an Achilles heel with literally all of these devices is the cameras, right? The ROG phone has a Uh, 64 megapixel camera. Yeah. They even say it like right on the back. You can see in tiny text, 64 megapixel quad bear. But like the camera's not very good. Like, let's be real. Like the ultra wide is mediocre, I would say. It has a macro camera, which is dumb and stupid. And I don't understand why. They just wanted that third camera on the back. And yeah, you've got like the the large sensor, sort of 64 megapixel sensor. But it's like... It just doesn't give you the same results of even something like the Nord, much less something which is in that $1,000 price range. So I think that's one of the problems. Right. So this, this might be the thing that's holding them back, right? Because this is, this is not an original thought, but we call these products phones, but we use them as cameras more than phones. But that depends on the person, right? So I know that probably the two of us likely use our phones for cameras all the time but someone who's really into a gaming phone that's probably third fourth fifth highest priority and, and i'm sure they have the data on it sure but i mean it's like if we're talking about a way for asus to maybe make a phone which yes. breaks into the more typical market like they have to nail the camera part to really help them break through which i think yeah. you could argue is what has helped OnePlus break through to where they are now is they worked out the camera Yeah, and actually, that's a great point when you talk about the Nord, right? So Mm. for a while, we could say these exact same things about OnePlus, right? I mean, that was the story year after year. Great phone, great hardware, great price, meh camera. They've gotten to the point where the not only the OnePlus 8 Pro, which is sort of, I would say, like if, if sort of the... S20 and the iPhone 11 Pro and the Pixel are an A+. That OnePlus 8 Pro is like an A, right? It's very Mm -hmm. similar. And because the Nord has the same camera from the standard OnePlus 8, it's right up there as well. Like, I'm really happy with sort of the performance you get out of it. But when you look at something like the ROG phone, Asus are working. They're, They're steadily moving forward. But the thing is, they're moving forward at the same rate everyone else is, which means that they're perennially behind here. On a phone like the ROG phone, I'm not that offended by it. It's fine. It's usable. But if they really want to kind of 
push to that next level because they've done so much between like kind of cleaning up their software, obviously focusing so hard on specs, being really timely with releasing phones. Like they've done so much to be really sort of strong contenders. The thing they're still missing is a more solid camera experience. I mean, this phone shoots 8K video. That's awesome, right? It even shoots at 30 FPS, which is something that most other devices have not been able to accomplish. Most of them have been stuck at 24. That's awesome. But this thing's got the processing power to do that. It does. Mm. It does. But that being said, I'm not going to shoot 8K video on this thing. The the HD video kind of looks sort of whatever, right? (laughs) I mean, like, so I just, to me, I feel like they're missing a couple of steps. But I don't want to, like... I don't want to talk too harshly about it because it's not a phone really for me, right? We're part of the Z Flip gang. We want that that small flippy boy. We don't want a huge phone. I mean, unless you secretly have an ROG phone that you haven't told me about, which I guess that wouldn't be surprising. Mike, you don't have a gaming phone, do you? No, I don't have a gaming okay. phone. I have to check, man. <laughs> you, you never like, know. You never <laughs> you're know. Why hiding razors on next. me. But like, I think everyone has different priorities. And no, yep. personally for me, I've enjoyed using the ROG phone, but it's huge. It's incredibly thick it's got great battery life great screen all that kind of stuff but the things that i care about if you rank my top 10 features the size the wireless charging is something i use pretty regularly the camera like there are a lot of things which are really important for me and mobile gaming just simply isn't i can play the games that i like to play on my phone on a four-year-old flagship and i will be just fine so to me a lot of that stuff is important but obviously we're not sort of in this for us, right? We're the test drivers. We're not mm-hmm. the solo drivers. The, the I'm not really sure where this metaphor's going. We have to care about other people's stuff. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to review things for the world, not yeah. just for our own personal interests. I think ultimately, like to to sum up both of these products, like these are both very good devices in the categories that they are positioned to be in. Yes. Right? Like in if you want a gaming phone you should probably, this is the phone you will want, right? Like Absolutely. One, no question. they're still making them, right? Where like maybe Razer <laughs> isn't. Um, but, and like, uh, I've seen a lot of teardowns and jerry-rig everything of these wild phones, right? That I see that have all these vapor chambers in and stuff. But it seems like Asus is really making the top product in this category. Because Absolutely. this is one that does break out of Asia, right? Because Asus is confident enough that they feel like they can sell it in other places. Um, and I mean, it, look, and we said look, with specs like this, it really is like a total package if this is the the world that you want to go into. And then the OnePlus Nord, like clearly OnePlus have pulled a great one-two punch with this, where they have yeah. been able to take what they have learned in being able to build competitive flagships and bring it down in price, which is different to where they've been in the past, where they were looking at what flagship companies were doing and making a phone that was price competitive where now they actually have that experience themselves and they've worked out how to create a second kind of wave of these type of devices where they can hit a better price point and put in more and more value and it's interesting to see the way they've done that because it's sort of like as they work themselves up the price ladder now that they're coming back down to where they originally were, they're pulling things down, right? They're pulling that camera from the high-end mm-hmm. phone. They're pulling all of their experience down to a cheaper price. Because this is the smart move, right? Because yes. they, have, they are now getting economies of scale on the stuff that they were already producing. Because exactly. Now they're like, you know what? This is, this is it. This is the play, huh? Like... You know, like if you, we see this a lot where companies of larger size than OnePlus have been in the past can make these cheaper devices because they make so many of the, the higher value products that they end up making it up in volume, right? Is that phrase? Yep. But now they're, they're selling presumably pretty well on the OnePlus 8 line that they're able to start trickling some of that thinking, some of that manufacturing down. That's a clever, that's clever. Yeah, I, they've got so... I've been so impressed with the OnePlus company over the last year, year and a half, because they've just done nothing but make smart decisions, make excellent hardware. They've gotten to the point where there are not a lot of complaints I have about literally any OnePlus phone that you can buy today, right? It's not like before where there were very obvious issues here or there. Like, they're all very solid phones. And now they're focusing so much on hitting such a wide swath mm-hmm. of the market. They're focusing on getting real availability across the world and sort of building into the channel. And, like, they've done a lot right. And I'm very, 
very excited to see what the Nord line looks like over the coming years because they've got something really special here. Like I think basically at this point, if you want a quote-unquote standard Android phone, mm-hmm. you should look at OnePlus. OnePlus, yeah. And when I say standard, I mean one that doesn't fold in half. <laughs> Mike, are you trying to insinuate that there's a new folding phone on the smartphone? And the smartphone? On the podcast? On the world? And the market? On the world? On the market? Is that the word? I think that's the word, right? I think that's the word. Z Flip, baby. <laughs> We spoke Look, about it last excited, time. Man. I get <laughs> we spoke excited. about it on our last episode being like, oh yeah, what are they going to do with the Z Flip Unpacked, which is like next <laughs> week. Uh, nothing is the answer because out of nowhere, Z Flip 5G. So the Z Flip 5G is basically what we talked about last episode and that it's a very modest upgrade, you might say. It really just sort of incorporates a couple of new colors. So there is now Mystic Gray and Ooh. Mystic Bronze, which actually, I gotta say, the gray looking pretty nice. I don't know where you're at on it, but I, I think that might be the way I'm gonna go. Oh, wait, hang on a second. You're getting it, huh? Oh, what? Of course. What is this? Was This isn't a question, Mike. We've been over this. You know I'm on the Z Flip gang for life. Yeah, I got Z Flip tattooed on me at this point. I can't go back. No one's making you go back, but you also don't (laughs) need to go forward. If you ain't first, you're last, my friend. Okie dokie. Well, this is just (laughs) what? Like, effectively, it just has a 5... I mean, it's what kind of what we said. It just has a 5G chip in it, right? Yeah, there's, like, essentially no real difference. So... We'll obviously have to wait and see until I get my hands on one, <clears throat> hopefully pretty shortly here, especially considering it's actually going on sale, I think, in the next couple of weeks or something. But I would assume it probably goes on sale like at the same very time. Quickly. Oh, August 7th. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's right around the corner at this mm-hmm. point. But essentially, they've swapped out the Snapdragon 855 Plus with an 865 Plus. Um, it's the same stuff that's inside the RG phone. It will certainly not run as fast because it does not have the cooling. But uh, besides that, it's very similar. So you'll expect some little bit better performance. Um, we may see some slight tweaks to the camera processing. So it's the same as far as a no same camera or setup, sensors, all of that kind of stuff. But because you have that better processor, it might be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's probably going to be about the same. You do have 5G, though, which is a nice sort of advantage um, but that's about it. Same size battery. The screen, as far as I know, hasn't been tweaked. Now, I, I will say I'm reserving a little bit of judgment because, especially given how quickly they've been iterating on their folding phones, I wouldn't be wildly surprised if there are some minor tweaks to the design. I've heard some rumors that it is very slightly different in some dimensions. Like, it's like hmm. 0.1 millimeters thicker here and a little bit taller. Like, very, very small differences. So I do want to get my hands on it and see if they've made any more tweaks for reliability or anything like that. But... Generally speaking, this is the Z Flip that we all know and love with 5G and a little bit more performance and a $70 um, price hike. So, uh, you know, no more no more cheap Z Flip gang. We're, cheap. we're going more expensive. Let's be, let's be real. Like, when, <laughs> if you're laying down $1,500, like an additional <laughs> 75 is not really, it's not high uh, on your issue list. Was it four, uh, $1,450? Yeah, well, it was 1380 last year, or right. I say last year, February. Boy, I can't believe I just said last year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a few it months basically ago, was last year. <laughs> the before time. Uh, look, man, I love the Z Flip. Mm-hmm. We all love the Z Flip, right? No one as much as you, but yes. <laughs> the thing is, like, I think the Z Flip. This is a complete no-brainer upgrade. Not necessarily for everyone to upgrade their Z-Flips. Obviously, keep your Z-Flip. It's the exact same thing with minor changes. It's a no-brainer upgrade for Samsung to do, not for current exactly. Z-Flip owners to do. Yes. Because like, okay. it's weird that the Z-Flip shipped without 5G in the first place, right? And yep. I, I, I've said this before. I really think that's because the Z-Flip was meant to be shipped last year alongside the Note and everything, which is why it had the cameras and whatnot that it did. And I think that it's only because they got delayed because of the original fold issues that they're sort of releasing two Z flips within like six months of each other. I don't think it's a huge story. I think I'm excited. I'm a little bit uh, unhappy that I have to spend another $1,400 in a few months after my uh, last Z flip, but it's okay because it's a good phone and I'm sure the new one will be even better. Or it'll be the same and uh, you'll make fun of me for wasting money, but you know, what else is new? I'm never going to make fun of you. I know. I spend too much time with Ken. 
I want you to get this so we can understand how it's different. And I think secretly you want me to get it because you don't want to have to get it. Yeah, I, I'm, well, I know I'm not, right? Like, I'm not going <laughs> to do this because I don't even have a 5G plan, right? So like I would just be getting a phone. Oh, that is one thing. So it actually doesn't support full 5G. So it what? is... And, Okay, so again, this is sort of from what I've read initially, so this may change based on if they bring out different carrier models or anything, but it seems like it's just sub-6 5G, which is what you would find on, like, the OnePlus Nord. That's fine, because millimeter wave, so obviously millimeter wave is where you get the crazy, like, gigabit speeds and whatnot, but that's so limited right now that I don't think it's a huge issue, but it also is, if that really is true, and that all of the Z Flips are only limited to sub-6, sort of the more traditional 5G, which is just a little bit faster than 4G, uh, that might be a little bit of a disappointment, but I guess I kind of get it. It's a lot of extra antennas. It's a lot of extra work to get millimeter wave up and running, and the Z Flip is a very sort of compact phone. But that is one thing that is a little bit of a of a downside, and that you get 5G, but you're not getting 5G. Just getting like 5G. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this show, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if your customers couldn't click that buy now button or access your wonderful content? You might stumble across it by luck. You might get an email from somebody, but that's no good. You want a real system that you can rely on to tell you when everything's running smoothly on your website and more importantly, when it isn't. This is why you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 a day. Pingdom helps keep your site and the sites that you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company or someone anywhere in between. You want alerts about critical website issues, and Pingdom will let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, they're going to track and analyze your website's load times so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. They have a no-fuss approach to get started. All that they need is the URL that you want to monitor, and they'll take care of everything else. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code TESTDRIVERS at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. So, Microsoft, Xbox have shown off their uh, whole game slate. Um, well, at least what they're considering is their kind of like, I guess, answer to the Sony presentation from a few weeks yeah. ago. Uh, what do you... What, okay, I was in video mode all day yesterday. I was up at like 6 a.m. like mm-hmm. doing like the pre-show and shooting their video and everything. Like I actually didn't get to pay a lot of attention to sort of the reaction and everything. What do you think about what you saw at the Xbox event? Uh... <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's that's encouraging. So, uh, look, I think that it's very clear now that the I saw somebody make this comment on Twitter. I wish I'd, I'd saved it, but effectively, there is no console war anymore. Mm, Nintendo, okay. Sony, and Microsoft are playing three different games. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. Right. Nintendo make Nintendo games and they make awesome hardware, which is weird and wonderful, right? They got the Switch. Mm-hmm. And it's more for everybody rather than it is for certain types of people. Sony, powerful console with exclusive games that you want to get. Microsoft have Game Pass. Yes. I like how that's like the big takeaway. Like, oh, here are all of our brand new next-gen games. Here's our brand new console. Uh, but you heard about that Game Pass, though? Yeah. I read a great article on Polygon about this last night where it's basically, like, and I didn't know this. They have 10 million Game Pass subscribers now. It's been blowing up. And it makes sense because it's such a good deal. And the thing is, right, so now it's like you effectively, if you're Microsoft, it's like, look, we do the Game Pass and we're going to give people two ways to play those games. If you've got a PC, play it. If you don't want to get into the PC gaming world, the Xbox will be able to play everything at as mm-hmm. good a performance as most gaming PCs, right? Because like, it's tuned for these. Yeah. And that's that, right? Like, And as well, they've got their uh, higher level of Game Pass tier, which is going to include xCloud, which is the game streaming 
Yes. It's difficult, the, the naming of that. It doesn't mean, it, this is when you basically can get to your games from other devices. So in theory, you could pair an Xbox controller to an iPad and play your games from mm-hmm. the cloud. Yeah. So like at this point, all that Microsoft needs to do is provide variants in their lineup. So this is this is I'm lifting some of this from analysis from the, uh, this Polygon uh, article that I put in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Where like you look at Sony, Sony need to provide you with top tier exclusive games to make you give them sixty to seventy dollars multiple times a year, right? Yep. Microsoft need wild variants in the types of games that they provide from genre to playthrough time to level of excitement because they need to give you what you consider a perceived value from your monthly subscription. So like every month you should be able to go in and play at least one new game and it might be something you wouldn't have otherwise thought of playing or just something like, oh, I'll go check this one out, which you wouldn't have necessarily done otherwise. But by providing that variance of game type and having so many games in the Game Pass world, they give you a feeling of like, yeah, this worked out for me. And so like, you know, so when I say, yeah, it's basically like the Game Pass stuff is awesome. I have a PC. I'm a Game Pass subscriber. The idea of me being excited about getting an Xbox kind of isn't there right now because the games that they have shown, either A, I'm not interested in the game for whatever reason, you know, everybody has their own tastes, or B, like, I feel like they're maybe trying to sell me something which is more than what it actually is. And I think Halo is that, but we can get to that in a little bit. Yeah. So uh, what I really feel like is coming away from this, if I was choosing, I would want to buy a PlayStation because mm-hmm. I am more, much more interested in Sony's exclusives. Yeah. But I think it's because Microsoft are building a different type of game with their exclusives where they are using their exclusive relationships in a lot of instances to backfill the Game Pass library. It's such a different way of going into this console generation. So one of the things that really struck me was all of the games that they showed at the Xbox Game Showcase are all available for Xbox Game Pass, right? It's not like a few... Which is a great marketing move. That's like, huge. That right there is genius. And the thing yeah. is, like, so uh, we talk a lot about Game Pass, and obviously it's becoming more popular, but it's such a no-brainer when you look at the price, right? So you can pay, like, $10 a month, and you get all the games on, on Xbox. I think the PC side, it's actually, like, 5 bucks. although I think it's normally 10 I think it's just having a sale. But I think the, the where it's at is when you look at the Ultimate, right, which includes all mm-hmm. of the PC Game Pass games, all of the Xbox Game Pass games, and you're getting Xbox Live Gold, which is like, what, five or ten bucks a month normally anyway. On top of that, you're going to get that xCloud service rolled in at some point. Like, there's a lot there. And especially when you look at, like, okay, if you can sort of keep yourself from buying, like, a Halo and a Forza per year, right? So it's 60 and 60 or whatever they actually end up costing. That's your whole Game Pass subscription, right? Like, it's not a yep. hard thing to justify. So all you need to do is play two top-tier games and one other game of any kind. Yeah. And you've made your money. Absolutely, right? And I think that it's easy, even if you're not the biggest Xbox fan, even if you're not hugely into all of the various different games that they have. And mind you, it's a lot more than just first-party titles too, right? I mean, there are a lot of third-party games that are being included mm-hmm. as well, like Destiny and all kinds of stuff. But there's a lot that is being rolled into that. And when you look at the value proposition, Microsoft are building Xbox to be the Netflix of gaming, right? I think that is super clear right now. It's a very different approach. Yeah, and the fact that they are able to sign games like Destiny into this package, that's like very important if they want to be this. Because you don't want to be like, you know, like the Netflix of games is great, but like Netflix doesn't just have Netflix shows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, like they bring in content from other people that can help draw you in. And that's important, right? Like, because they, they you don't want to feel like you're off like on your own over there, right? Mm-hmm. But I just think that like there is a, like a slight disconnect for me with like the Xbox Series X is this like incredibly powerful machine, right? That can play all these great games, but then you're also trying to sell me on this subscription service. There's just like a slight 
I don't know if disconnect's the right word, but it's like Mar- Microsoft marketing is like in two different. It's like they're giving me two different marketing stories at the same time, mm-hmm. which is a it's, it feels a little muddied. Of like, which one do you really want me to care about? The way I sort of see the situation, Xbox Game Pass is the future of Xbox, mm-hmm. and the hardware you play it on doesn't matter that much to Microsoft. If you're playing on PC. If you're playing on xCloud, if you're playing on Series X, or what I think is more likely, you're playing on Series S, <clears throat> whenever that ships. Oh, yeah, that's Scarlet, right? That's the the cheap. That's Lockhart. Scarlet, I believe, was the code name that's for the X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lockhart. Yes, that's the one I have to eat the podcast for. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it should be easy to remember that Someone one. needs to write this down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it all right here. So uh, the thing is, I'm going to be really curious to see when we actually get the final like prices and release dates of the console sort of later this year. I bet you Game Pass is going to be included, right? Obviously not forever, right? You're huh. going to get three months. You're going to get six months. You're going to get like maybe even a year. So this is what I was about to... You, you've you come at this at a different tack to me. I was going to say that they should undercut the price of the Series X in general in the hopes that mm-hmm. you will sign on for Game Pass. Yeah. But yeah. there is also the probably more likely option, which is like if you buy a Series X, you get like three, six months of Game Pass included, which effectively brings the price down, right, in your mind of like, well, I just saved $60. Yeah, okay. I'm actually going to look at this up right now. There, um, there are already bundles. You get, I think, at least some Game Pass on... The Xbox One at the moment. It's like you always used to get live, right? You'd always get like a period yeah. of time for 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 Xbox Live, the gaming thing. Which, by the way, exactly. I can't believe they still make people pay for that. <laughs> like, but they're rolling it in, though, right? It's all being included in X or, or X Cloud. Oh God, there's too many names. It's all being included in Game Pass. That's that's why I think they need to get rid of Live because yeah. they now have three different subscription things. True. It's all being, but like. I think what we're looking at right now is it's all being merged into one. You know, the funny thing is, okay, so we just had this Xbox game showcase. We saw all of the cool new sort of next-gen titles. And what are we doing? We're talking about Game Pass, right? I think that should say something about how big this is. That's what they want you to be talking about, right? Like, I think, right, because like, all right, so from the sense, like the exclusive games that they had to show, there wasn't really anything new. Right, like we knew about these. I mean, we knew well some. There, there were a few new titles. Like I don't think we really knew anything about. I mean, we could have guessed, but there was no announcement of like the next Forza, which I'm personally really excited for. Right, but we didn't see any Forza. Uh, it was a, tra- it was an in-game, in-engine trailer. I, I, that seems like the same thing. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Look, to be honest, we did get that for okay, but but what I was gonna say, we got that for some PlayStation stuff. But the stuff that we got that in the PlayStation stuff was games we weren't expecting. Like, we got an in-game cutscene thing for Spider-Man, but no one was expecting a new Spider-Man, like, to come for launch. But, but yeah, it's yeah. like, and also, like, everyone knew Forza there was going to be a Forza. Of Everybody course, knew. of course. So, but, like, Halo, Halo is what they're building, basically built this entire presentation around from a game mm-hmm. perspective. I am, like, completely nonplussed. Ugh. Mike, it's tough. Like, so it's something I talked about in my video, and I think it's 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 easy to miss a little bit when you think about Halo. Halo is not the big splashy Xbox Series X launch title. Halo is an Xbox One game that is being ported and is running on the Series X. And I think there's a real distinction there. But I think that's the wrong move. I think that's the wrong <sighs> well, move. Uh, it could be. I, I, I don't know. Because, I mean, you look at, like, I mean, obviously, Zelda launching on Switch, right? I mean, that was a Wii U game that had been done for months, and they held it so that they would actually have a real Breath of the Wild-style game to launch the console with. I agree with that. Like, that's the comparison. But that's not the comparison Xbox should be making against, like, oh, well, mm. it's like that Switch game. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Fair. That was a very good Switch game. But yeah, I, I agree. I'm sure this Halo game is going to be great. I don't think this Halo game is going to be like as great for what it is as Zelda was for what it was. Like, to me... Yeah. It, okay, so I want to preface this by saying I am not a huge Halo guy anyway. 
Um, like mm-hmm. I've played one or two of the Halo games. It's never really landed with me. I can't tell you why. I don't know why. Like it's not like I like this genre of game. I like like you know third person, first person shooter games. But Halo just never really landed with me. Mm-hmm. But when I was looking at the gameplay footage, I was like, I feel like I've already played this game. It's so similar. Yeah, so there are a couple things there. I think, first of all, and this is a problem with the PlayStation side too, watching the footage compressed on like Twitch and YouTube, like you lose a lot of the detail. Like, yeah, for sure. When you actually go sure. and watch like the actual 4K game cap, it mm-hmm. actually does look a lot better. You sort of get a lot more of that detail. But it was more like that the, the world seemed quite mm. sparse. Like I know it's large. Yeah. But it yeah. didn't really look like there was anything in it. <laughs> It just looked like a Halo game, right? It yeah. looked like a Halo game that was obviously designed for the Xbox One. And for Series X, we're getting better resolutions and higher resolution textures and ray tracing and all this kind of stuff. But like realistically, it's the same game that was going to originally run on the Xbox One, right? And I think that's where it's just like, if you're looking for a huge, splashy new next-gen title, like Halo Infinite just isn't that. But that's okay. It's a new Halo game. It's going to be great. It's going to be included in your Game Pass subscription. Mm-hmm. But it's like in your video you did the very difficult job of trying to compare it to Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I think that there is an interesting point there, which was like, visually, Ratchet and Clank looked more interesting, in my Absolutely. opinion. Like, oh, yeah. th- they're different types of games, yes, but like, that Ratchet and Clank game looked like a game that I can't currently play. Yes. And yep. that's, that's not exactly what's it. going on with Halo, because it is current gen, but what I'm saying is I think that that was a bad move. Like, they should have made Gears, right, be the... And it is, right? Series X and, and uh, yeah. Xbox One. They should, have, they should have always targeted this Halo game to be a Series X game. Well, so it's really interesting that you say that because before the event, they had talked a lot about how they're focusing, like, you don't need to buy a new console for two years. The Xbox One is still going to be supported. And then they show off all of these new games, and they're almost all for PC and Series X. Very, very few games are actually shipping on Xbox One, Halo being one of the very few that are. There's a lot of Xbox One games that are getting full Series X optimized patches. But like you look at Forza, I was very surprised to see Forza is not shipping on Xbox One. Now, mind you, it doesn't actually sound like it's going to be a launch title. Yeah, that I think it's like two or three date. years away, so it doesn't it, matter. Oh, well, uh, yeah. But... It's it's kind of surprising to see that sort of they did such a, a an abrupt turn. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if there was some sort of confusion in the messaging that they were trying to like maybe people read between the lines. But I mean, they had seemed pretty clear as far as like, look, this is the console that you know we're bringing out, but we're still going to be supporting Xbox One for a while. And it just simply looks like that's not the case. I think a lot of the games are actually being moved to Series X, which is obviously going to enable them to be much more grander in scope and sort of cool, great. But also, if you're looking for that next generation title, well, guess what? You're going to have to shell out for that Series X pretty quickly. Game Pass or not, a lot of these games simply are just not coming to the standard Xbox One. It feels like to me that that, that line about like, you know, you don't need to, these games are going to run on both, you don't need to move, I think is like a hedge against the fact that two of their biggest games, like their biggest titles, they are on both and that's going to drag the performance down on the new mm. console. Because effectively, like Halo and Gears, they're just going to look as good as any other third-party game, right? Where it's just like, well, this is optimized now. And it feels like a shame to me that that Microsoft don't seem to have a big, splashy, made-for-Series-X launch title. Mm -hmm. And the concern I have is like, this is where they were with the one. And I feel like they are in a much healthier place now because they have a strategy which is theirs Mm. and it works. But I think they're going to get their butt handed to them when it comes to console sales again. Yeah, I'm not feeling super confident, but Series S, man, I'm going to beat this drum until there's no more, like, you won't talk to me about it anymore. Like, I think if they're able to bring a significantly cheaper console, whether they're sort of bringing the price down because they're going to eat it because of Game Pass or whatever the case is, I think that that is really going to be their big pitch, right? Series X is the... That's not coming this year. Mm. I do not Mm. believe it's coming this year Mm. because the marketing machine has spun up too much. It is. I'm not convinced it will necessarily ship 
this year, although I still think that's a strong possibility. I do think it's coming, and I do think we're going to hear about it. A lot of the rumors are pointing out that we'll probably hear about it in the next one to two months. So I just think that that's, I mean, that feels so muddy to me. Of like, we have this amazing games console coming this holiday season, but don't buy it. Okay, but okay, imagine this, right? So imagine they, uh, I don't know, a month from now, they do another event, they show off some more games, and then this is where they finalize everything, right? So, okay, Series X, November four ninety nine, right? Yep. I think everyone would be pretty happy with that. It's the same price as the One X. You think on the five hundred? You think? I I would not be surprised if it's four ninety nine. That doesn't sound crazy to me. Mm-hmm. A little bit aggressive, but I think they can pull that off. And they've even kind of like been setting expectations that like we built this to a cost and sort of you yep. know we're we're not trying to build something insanely powerful or insanely expensive. Rather, I guess the powerful side does come with that. Uh, that's kind of where I'm expecting it at the moment. If it was a little bit more, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it's going to be anything more than six hundred, but four ninety nine. But imagine at the same time they go, oh, and by the way, if you want. We have a console which is still very powerful that can still play all of the same games, except it's two ninety nine and comes with a year of Game Pass. Sure, it might not have a Blu ray drive and all this other stuff, but people like come on, you know that that's going to change the conversation. It's going to be a thing where is it going to be four K? I think it will be four K compatible. I think a lot of games will probably run at closer to ten eighty, but I still think it's going to be a big leap over anything you get on the Xbox One. I, that's that's my personal opinion on it. But imagine how different that conversation will be, right? They'd hype up the fact that if you want the most powerful console, Xbox has got it. You want the cheapest but still next-gen console, Xbox has got it. You want all the games in the world, oh, guess what? Game Pass has got it, right? If they can pull that off, and I think that's totally possible, I think they're in a real position that they could challenge that ps5 especially given all the rumors that the ps5 may be quite expensive they're having a lot of issues with backwards compatibility they obviously have the games on lock but i just think it's a little too early to write microsoft off yet this could all be high in the sky dreaming i could be completely wrong and eating a copy of the podcast but i think if microsoft are able to pull something like that off it will completely change the conversation